We are living in a world where we are overstressed, overworked, overmedicated, and we're allowing anxiety, fear, and depression to run our lives. It's time we take a different kind of prescription to help remove our pain and get us back to living with the energy, focus, and enthusiasm that we all want to have. Every week, I promise to bring you education, strategies, and deep discussions that will help you become more resilient and eradicate stress-induced depression from your life. My name is Ryan Caligiuri, and welcome to The Resilience Prescription. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of The Cut the Crap Show as part of The Resilience Prescription. Before we get into today's episode, I got to do a little bit of house cleaning. House cleaning, housekeeping, whatever. Same thing. So... You all got bombarded by a whole bunch of episodes of Brain Jiu-Jitsu. I am so sorry about that, but at the same time, I want to make sure you have access to them on podcast format. And uh, like I said, just delete them all and go back and listen to them one by one if you feel like it. If not, don't worry about it. Every Sunday, I'll be posting a brand new episode of Brain Jiu-Jitsu. And it's a little bit of a different format, right? Six guys getting together. I put an explicit rating on there. Yes, there is some swearing on there. And um, it's us being very authentic with each other. I think that's what makes it great. We always said that we didn't do this for the show. We would have these conversations even without putting on the show. But because I feel that it does contribute to helping you understand your brain, help you build resilience, there's a lot that you can take from it. The early feedback that I was running from these 18 weeks of tests have been very positive, and because it's been very positive, I decided to put it on this show as part of the Resilience Prescription. So I hope that you give it an opportunity to listen to it. Again, I do put the explicit um, warning on there, so I wouldn't be listening to it with your kids if you don't want your kids listening to people swear, because yes, there is some, some curse language going on there. But in any case... It's just fun to keep going on this content, and I hope that you guys enjoy what I've been putting out. I'm going to be changing up CY8 a little bit and giving you more of a deep dive into some of the CY8 sessions that I do. You can hear some of the feedback, some of the conversations that I go through, and I think that's going to be a really good inside look into how people are creating their eighth every single day. All right, and on that note, let's crack right into this week's episode. By the way, sorry about the terrible audio here at the intro. I uh, left my mics at the office, and I'm just recording through the laptop here. So I know the sound doesn't sound good here, but it'll sound better in the interview. But in any case, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Create Your 8. Have a great one, everybody. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Cut the Crap Show with yours truly, Ryan Caligiuri. And I'm very excited to bring you our guest today, Art Markman. Art is the author of Smart Change, Five Tools to Create New and Sustainable Habits in Yourself and Others. Art, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. How about you? Doing very well, thanks. Thanks for being on the show, and uh, thanks for making time for all of us in uh, Cut the Crap Nation. True pleasure having you on. Oh, my. Absolutely my pleasure. So for those of uh, you out there in Cut the Crap Nation who don't know who Art is or what Art does, maybe Art, uh, take a second and uh, give us a quick introduction to who you are, what you do, and why you wrote Smart Change in the first place. Sure. Uh, so I am a, I'm a cognitive psychologist. I have spent my time uh, studying the way people think. I've studied reasoning and decision-making and motivation. And about 15 years ago, it occurred to me that I was spending most of my time writing papers for 30 of my closest colleagues hmm. who uh, are in the field, and that's wonderful. But the field of psychology actually knows a lot that would mm-hmm. influence the way that people 
live their lives if they knew more of it. And so I started shifting more of my focus towards doing outward-facing work. Mm. And so while I still write plenty of papers to get read by 30 of my, my closest colleagues, I also try to uh, give as much information away as I can through blogging and, and doing my own podcast called Two Guys on Your Head. Mm. And, uh, and I've written a couple of books. And, so, uh, and one of them is, is Smart Change and uh, tr- really trying to focus on, on what can we t- take away from the field of psychology to help us to mm-hmm. do one of the most difficult things we have to do, which is change mm-hmm. behavior. Absolutely. Uh, again, that uh, podcast, uh, again, two guys, what was that? That was two guys. Two guys on your head. Two guys on your head. So get out there and Good. check that one out. I know all of you are interested in uh, topics related to cognitive behavioral therapy, psychology, and uh, resilience. And so this is definitely one that you should check out. Uh, also, you have articles in uh, Fast Company. I know you've written in Psychology Today, Huffington Post. So uh, you're all over the place, man. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, well, you know, you got you got to find out where people are and then bring stuff there. This is true. Absolutely. And that brought me to you. That's right. That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, today we want to talk all about habits because habits can either be helpful or harmful. And depending on the habits that we cultivate uh, in our lives, um, that'll either really propel us forward in life or they can hold us back. So before we get yeah. into your book, Let's start off with a very high level kind of understanding and talk to us about this system of habits. Why are good habits so hard to develop and why are bad ones so hard to change? Yeah, so if if we think about the places where our habits get us in in trouble, they tend to be the situations that create and are sources of what you could think of as systematic failure, meaning that that, that there's some important goal that you have and over a period of days and weeks and months, you are simply not achieving that goal. Mm. Because we all fail a little bit. We all have these unsystematic failures in which uh, we trade things off. That's, as the kids call it these days, that's adulting, (laughs) right? You you know, unsystematic failure is I I made it to the gym and I missed my kid's recital and then I went to an event at the kid's school and I had to leave early from work and then I stayed late at work and I missed, you know, and so that's just juggling, That's, Mm. that's fine. But when there's something that's important to you, whether it's quitting smoking or, or uh, you know, losing weight or, or paying more attention to your family or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you're systematically not doing it, that's your canary in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that says, if I continue to do things the way I've been doing them, I'm going to continue to fail at achieving this goal. Now, there are several sources that can lead to that. One of which, and probably the most pernicious of those for people, is the trade-off between long-term and short-term goals. So a lot of the the things that really get us in trouble are when there's some desirable outcome in the short term that conflicts with a desirable outcome in the long term. Mm. So, um, you know, overeating, for example, well, you know, that piece of cake is awfully good right now. It's just (laughs) that it conflicts with the 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 shape and body that I'd like to have in the future Mm -hmm. and smoking is often pleasurable for the people who smoke Mm -hmm. but it has bad long-term health consequences and so uh, the human system is generally speaking biased to favor the short term in those long-term short-term trade-offs and for some people it is particularly biased to trade to to favor the short term and so um, those are the cases where it could be the hardest to uh, to achieve those long-term goals because there are just too many tempting short-term alternatives. And, mm-hmm. and that's the place where understanding the structure of that motivational system and using that to develop tools to be more effective 
at uh, at changing behavior. That's that's really I think where where that becomes paramount. Absolutely, and as we all know, cut the crap nation, developing new habits and improving our lives is something that we're all about here. And we're always trying to find new stimulus, new ways to help us improve our lives, become more resilient. And there's five different tools that you give to us or that you share with us in your book, Smart Change, to help us create and sustain or to create and create sustainable habits that uh, really help us in our lives. And so the rest of the show, essentially, I'd like to dedicate to us going through those five tools and uh, you educating us and showing us exactly how we can put these to practice uh, or put this into practice for ourselves. Yeah, fantastic. So fantastic. So I guess we, we'll start with the Go system. You betcha. That's golden nugget number one. Let's kick into that one. Fair enough. So one of the things that, that I think a lot of people don't really know about their own motivational system is that we actually have these two distinct subcomponents that are part of our motivational system. And if you don't understand the way that's structured, it can be very hard to change behavior effectively. So the, uh, th- these two systems are the go system and the stop system, which I call them that. They're, they're much longer names that, mm-hmm. that we would give them if we were writing for a scientific audience. The go system has, is, what the go system does is it gives energy to the goals that we have. And at any given moment, there are lots of goals we might achieve. And so what happens is we find some gap between where we are right now in our lives and where we'd like to be. And, and that gap creates energy that is directed towards one of our goals. And when we have energy directed towards a goal and we have a path that will allow us to achieve that goal, then the go system kicks in and, in, and allows us to perform a set of actions and, in, and encourages us to use that energy to perform a set of actions that will help us to achieve that goal. And left to its own devices, the go system often functions well, at least in environments, in getting us to do something that's in front of us. However, every once in a while, we engage a goal that we don't actually want to perform. So you're sitting at home watching TV, and suddenly you have the goal to eat that single-serving carton of ice cream that's been sitting in the freezer, (laughs) but you don't really want to eat it. And so now what? Well, your go system is going to drive you to do that, and the only thing standing between you and a pint of ice cream on your lap with a spoon is a little bit of brain material above your eyes that is uh, part of a system that, that inhibits behaviors that that go system has engaged. And, mm. and so for ease of discussion, I call that the stop system. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the stop system is it is much less efficient than the go system is. Mm. It requires effort to engage. It can be impaired by stress and by drugs and alcohol. If you've had a particularly hard day, it can be, uh, it can be fatigued. Mm-hmm. And, so, uh, and so you shouldn't rely on the brakes stop you from doing the wrong thing. And so the, so what we need to understand is that fundamentally, the process of behavior change is a process of reprogramming that ghost system to engage uh, behaviors, hopefully by habit, that are desirable both in the short term and the long term, rather than uh, the trade-off that we've probably been making of engaging behaviors that are desirable in the short term but not the long term. Mm. Give us an example. So I like your ice cream example. Uh, give us an example of somebody, for example, who is, um, uh, let's just say somebody has the goal, New, New Year's resolutions. They want to get into better shape. 
How do they activate the mm-hmm. go system and stop system? Help paint a picture for us there. Yeah, so so let's think about this. A lot of times people will say, you know what, I'm I'm not in good shape, mm-hmm. and so and so they New Year's comes and they think to themselves, I'm going to join the gym this year. Mm-hmm. Well, p- part of the problem is you've got to start by by creating a goal, and and that the goal has to be uh, pretty specific. Uh, rather than general. So, so the problem is when I say I want to get into, into better shape, um, well, what does that mean exactly, mm. right? It means right now I don't feel like I'm in particularly good shape. At some point in the future, I'm magically going to be in good shape. Mm-hmm. So I now need to cash that out into s- some more specific actions uh, creating what some psychologists have called an implementation intention, which is a very specific plan that will help people towards that goal that they want to achieve. Because in the absence of a very specific plan, you, you don't know what actions you're supposed to take. And so a lot of times what happens is people will say, well, okay, um, I guess I need to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's, that's great, but which gym? Where? Uh, you, you know, and, and, and you have to begin to get very specific because then only when you get specific do you begin to realize the trade-offs that are inherent in, in actually carrying this out. So I'll give you two examples of those kinds of trade-offs. The first is you think, well, I know I'm going to join that palace of fitness uh, that, that, that I see on the highway. Well, that's great, but that palace of fitness is expensive and uh, it's about a 20-minute drive from your house. So now you have to ask yourself, am I willing to, to, to commute 40 minutes total in order to work out when I have a perfectly good gym up the street that's three minutes away, even though it isn't gleaming or a palace? <laughs> so, you, you know, once you, once you recognize how, how, you know, once you begin to think about specific actions, you begin to realize some of the trade-offs that you're making. The other thing is, until you get those actions onto your calendar that is specific enough that they actually exist on your calendar, you also don't grapple with the other trade-offs that are important. So, for example, uh, you might say, well, you know what, to to start this off, I'm going to exercise twice a week. Mm -hmm. The problem is twice a week is not really on your calendar. Monday's on your calendar, Thursday's on your calendar, Monday and Thursday is twice a week, but that's different than saying twice a week because Mm -hmm. on Monday at four o'clock when you were planning to exercise, you're probably doing something else right now. (laughs) So what's going to happen to that? And, And so you have to actually grapple with, well, what, what am I going to trade off? What am I going to stop doing? Or what am I going to do differently in order to create the time to do this exercise? And what happens if Monday at 4 o'clock I'm so, I, I really am busy and can't do it? Mm-hmm. Well, then am I doing it Tuesday morning, Tuesday at 4 o'clock? Mm-hmm. You, know, you, need to, you need to actually get to that level of specificity. Otherwise, it begins to fall by the wayside because you're not really dealing with the trade-offs that are inherent in making a significant change in your behavior. I love that takeaway, Art. I really like that takeaway. It's something that's very easy for all of us to do, but I think we get stuck in that trap of doing exactly as you say, I'm going to work out twice a week or I'm going to go to the gym, but we're not specific enough to truly understand how that fits into our daily routine. And I think that that little change can really help a lot of us just start to create and formalize that new habit. That's a great takeaway. I love that. Right. So it's really important to do that. And then we want to also enhance the ability of the stop system to do, uh, to, to, to do what it does in stopping us from doing the wrong thing, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so part of, of course, part of getting in shape 
is, as, as I learned, uh, I had to lose a lot of weight at one point. Turns mm-hmm. out that the exercise part of the equation is not really the hard part because uh, it's, you, you really can't completely exercise your way into fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to also limit what you're eating. Because oh, it's, yes. it's, you know, you, you, you work like a dog at the gym, you burn 500 calories, then you eat that single serving carton of ice cream and you've just given it all back. That's right. So, uh, so, so how, do you, how do you help that? And, and there, it's really important to do things like managing that environment, hmm. right? Making sure, so, so uh, you know, what, one of the helpful things I learned when I was losing weight is that you, you actually can't eat an ice cream that's not in your freezer. Great tip. So, <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, you, you know, the, the, the broad theme there is that you, you'd like to make desirable behaviors easy mm-hmm. and undesirable behaviors hard. Mm. So, so that you give yourself enough time and space to, to think about what you're doing before you go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're never going to do the wrong thing, but it means you've at least given yourself a fighting chance because mm-hmm. you're not, you're not relying on the brakes to stop you from doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really important to, to, to make sure that you're not over-relying on that stop system. In mm-hmm. fact, one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're trying to change behavior is that they frame the entire behavior change uh, uh, situation in the wrong way by creating what I sometimes call a, a negative goal rather than mm-hmm. a positive one. So they frame the entire interaction as I'm going to check my email less often, or I'm going to quit smoking, or I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stop eating so much. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you focus on what you're going to stop doing, you are putting yourself in a situation in which you are putting all of the burden on the stop system, mm-hmm. which is prone to failure rather than saying, reframing everything in terms of the actions I'm going to perform. Mm-hmm. And so by focusing on what you're going to do, you actually create both the opportunity to build a plan, but you also create the opportunity to develop habits. Because the thing about the habit system is, habits are memories that relate the situation you're in to the action that you perform. And you're only going to form that memory when you actually perform an action. Hmm. So if you, if you, you know, we're constantly not doing stuff. So you can't learn to not do something. Instead, what you have to do is to perform an action in a situation. That's when that that habit learning system kicks in. And so you have to create opportunities for you to actually perform behaviors in settings in order to be able to develop habits at all. Oof. I love that. I love it. You're just dropping knowledge right here. I love this art. This is I love, this is stuff right in my wheelhouse, man. I love what we're talking about here because there's so many good takeaways and so much knowledge to be poured into this. And we think sometimes just creating a new habit is easy, and it's not. As we can tell already, it's yeah. very difficult. And understanding the science of habits will help us to hopefully gain some more control over our mind and, and understand how to create and form habits. And um, yeah. you know, hopefully give us a fighting chance next time we want to do something. So when we're talking about setting goals, uh, you know, we go through the different tools. We have the five tools. Again, the very first the tool is the go system. The second is the stop system. The third one that you talk about, the third tool in smart change is to optimize your goals. Now tell us exactly right. how we can optimize those goals. Yeah. So, so one of the things that I was already alluding to mm-hmm. was that you want those goals to be positive goals rather than negative ones. Mm-hmm. So you really want to be focused on actions you're going to take rather than actions you're not going to take. Mm-hmm. 
But another thing that's really important is to recognize that most of the time, the things you're trying to achieve are not something that you achieve by doing them once. Instead, the big goals, the contributions you make in your life, whatever they are, are the result of the accumulated action of, of actions that are taken over and over again. So it is, is, it is an accumulation, which means that you need to be focused primarily on the process you use for achieving that goal rather than on the outcome itself. And there are a few different reasons why you want to focus on those kinds of processes. So it's not that outcomes don't matter. You can use outcomes to, to, to determine whether the set of actions you're taking are getting you on the road towards what you'd like to achieve. Mm-hmm. So if you think you're taking a bunch of actions to lose weight and you never lose any weight, chances are you've got to fix things a little bit. Right. But if you focus only on weight loss, one of the things that happens is uh, something that you see in people all the time, which is they, they're focused on losing a certain amount of weight, so they change everything. They, mm. they stop eating, they exercise like a mad fiend, and then they get down to that goal weight. Well, then what? Well, I guess I go back to doing what I was doing before because I've achieved my goal. That's right. And then, of course, they start putting the weight back on, and the mm-hmm. next thing you know, you, they have to they have to redo what they had done already. Right. And so it's it's much more important to think about what is the process by which I live my life that is a side effect of that process. I will uh, achieve the goal that I want to achieve. Mm-hmm. One of the examples I use in in the book is I talk a little bit about Stephen King, mm-hmm. uh, the, the author who uh, does not set the goal to write a book. He, he just gets up every day and he writes mm-hmm. for four hours in the morning. That's what he does every single day. And at some point, a book pops out. Look, there goes another one. Uh, you know, and so... Um, <laughs> And, 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 and so that's just, you know, so, so, so the, a book, the existence of a Stephen King book is just the result of a process by which he does the things that he does. And I think that the most successful people who, have, who make these long-term contributions are the ones who have a process for living their life that leads to that desired outcome. And I'll give you another example that I like sure. that I use in the book, which is um, – you know, I, every once in a while you meet somebody who sets the goal to get in a relationship. Right. <laughs> and, and I just, I, there's another one that I find to be a kind of dangerous thing to pursue, right? Mm-hmm. Because, because what, what, it, what it ends up doing is saying, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to perform a whole bunch of behaviors that I never perform otherwise <laughs> with the goal of meeting the romantic partner of my dreams. The, the problem is that you end up doing a bunch of things that aren't really the life you want to be leading. Mm. In, in the effort to, to meet somebody. And on the one hand, every interaction is now structured around meeting someone, so you get really tiresome to your friends. And on top of that, you do a whole bunch of things that aren't really what your life is like, so you're meeting this new person under the false circumstances of <laughs> this is what I'm going to do to meet somebody, as opposed to saying, you know what, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do the things I enjoy doing, but I'm going to try and do at least some of it in the context of people who might actually be interested in me as a romantic partner. And so you might volunteer or, Hmm. you know, if you like hiking, go on, you know, join a group that hikes a lot. But whatever you're doing, you're living your actual life, and then you meet somebody, and they know who you are because (laughs) you're engaging in the activities you engage in in your life. You just happened before to be doing it with the added uh, desire that you might meet somebody new. 
Oh, that's a great point, man. That's such a great point where if you're trying to manufacture something, it's unnatural and it's definitely outside yeah. of your, 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 your own routine. You could really set yourself up for, for failure there. You know, go into the club. It's like, do you like going to the club? Yeah. I don't, but, you know, I want to go meet somebody. It's like, well, that doesn't really work that's out. That's where the people are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that seems exactly. to be what we do. And no yeah. wonder we fail. You know, it's right. interesting. I mean, it seems so common sense, but it's not. You know, it's just for yeah. some reason we just don't think that way. So, again, I appreciate that yeah. perspective. Um, the next tool here, which I really, really like um, that you talk about in Smart Change, is about creating an environment that supports your new behavior. And this is something yeah. that I think we often overlook. And you've kind of alluded to this before about, uh, about you know, the food in the kitchen, for example. But our environment plays such a key role in our new habits. So talk to us about the importance of selecting the right environment. Yeah, I mean, we, we are driven by what's easy to do in that environment. And, and, and we often, we don't even think about it. We just think, well, let's, let, me, let me set things up to make the current set of behaviors I'm engaging in as easy as possible. Nice. But, you know, for example, it's, it's funny. People want, you know, we, we, people wear these, these pedometers or, you know, I mean, like hmm. I, got, I got my sports watch and so I'm counting my steps here. And a lot of times people say, well, where am I going to get all my steps? And then, you know, they, they go shopping. And so everyone races to the, to the spaces that are that are right near the store. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I've always said, you know what? Uh, pull into the parking lot of the grocery store and park in the first space you come to. You know, mm-hmm. a nobody else is competing for that space. That's right. B you get to walk across the parking lot. That's right. And so all you're all you're doing is is using that environment in a in a different way to support the goal that you want to achieve. And I think that a lot of us should really look around and ask ourselves, what is my environment making easy for me to do? What is my environment making hard for me to do? And is that actually aligned with what I'm trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, how can I make changes in that environment in ways that will make it easier? Mm -hmm. Which is, is, is a wonderful thing to do, although some of us do not live in our environments alone. Right. And that can create an interesting tension. So if I want to make sure I don't have an ice cream in my freezer and my romantic partner wants ice cream in the freezer, (laughs) now we have conflict. Yes. And, And so my belief is, you know, the way you compromise on that is you say, all right, great. Wednesday is ice cream night. Wednesday, we're going out and getting ice cream. Nice. Uh, in exchange for us not having ice cream the rest of the week. So it's, it's not just bear with me because I have this thing that's important <laughs> to me. It's let me, let's find a way to do something special that takes, to, that takes into account the fact that I am influencing your environment mm-hmm. in order to make my life easier. That's right. And often it comes down to some of the most mundane things like changing the direction that you drive into work. There's some folks that... Uh, I work with who have this weight loss goal and they always say, you know, when I'm working late and I'm pulling in, you know, into our neighborhood, they strategically put McDonald's knows this. They put the McDonald's right at the entrance of my neighborhood and it's right there. It's so convenient. And I say, well, there's also four other entrances into your neighborhood. You might have to change it up to remove that temptation, which a lot of them have so that they don't go to McDonald's anymore. First thing. But your environment can influence you greatly. And you really have to be aware of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, and sometimes, by the way, this requires being an observer of your own behavior, because one of the things about Mm -hmm. habits that we didn't really talk about, but it's kind of important 
is that the the brain structures that that are important for developing and maintaining habits they're buried deep in the brain these these are the kinds of brain structures that we share with rats and mice and deer and sheep and and you know where where the brains of those other animals differ from the brains of humans is in the cortex and that outer surface of the brain that is is so much better developed in humans and and has so many other mechanisms in it that support communication and insight and all of that mm-hmm. But those structures that are supporting habits, that's, you know, that's pure sheep brain material right there. And, and, and the thing is, that means that we are actually unaware of a lot of what we're doing by habit on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we're, we're, we have these memories that relate the environment to the behavior, but we're not necessarily, uh, we're not necessarily paying attention to the fact that we're doing that. And so sometimes you actually have to start paying attention to your own behavior before you can make a behavior change. So someone might not even realize, oh, I'm actually stopping at McDonald's on my way home a whole bunch. <laughs> and it, until you realize you're doing that, you, you, you can't make a change. Once it, so I'm a believer in, in, in keeping, keeping what I call a habit diary, mm. uh, which is you know for, for about two weeks, just don't even try to change your behavior, just watch yourself. Interesting. What, when are you doing the thing you don't wanna be doing? How are you feeling? Where are you? What just mm. happened? Mm-hmm. And just keep track of that because that provides you with a sense of some of the levers that you have at your disposal that you can pull in order to try to influence your behavior. So it's when you discover, man, I'm, I'm running through the drive through at McDonald's four days a week and just grabbing a small fries. Hmm. You know, how can I, how can I fix that? You know, and, and that's when you begin to think about things like your recommendation of, well, just pick a different entrance into the neighborhood. <laughs> right. Just do something. It's funny. I was just talking to, um, uh, Marshall Goldsmith, uh, another author mm-hmm. uh, earlier, and he was talking about uh, well, we were both talking about the the danger in being on autopilot. And sometimes our yeah. our minds, well, our minds are always on autopilot, just trying to do things in the most efficient way, looking for patterns. And as a result, we just kind of shut off our brain and we just go and do things. But your habit diary, habit diary, by just looking at our behaviors and what we do on a regular basis, and just start keeping track of things, all of a sudden we'll start to see new patterns. And we're like, geez, like. I didn't realize I was going to, you know, this fast food joint four times a week or five times a week. You know, maybe it was in the afternoon, maybe it was in the evening, maybe it was late night. But my God, I I didn't have this awareness. And sometimes just having that awareness can help you almost associate more pain to those behaviors and say, I got to (laughs) change. Right. Exactly. I mean, so, so, so sometimes that first step is just recognizing what it is you're doing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to kick into the last tool here, the fifth smarter change tool is to engage other people use your community now why is community why is it that using other people will help us reinforce or enforce these new habits yeah i think there's there's several different pieces there so one of them is is just that we are a social species we we are wired to cooperate with each other and so sometimes having other people around can uh can help us to do things that we might not do ourselves for example having an exercise buddy because, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you were planning to go running, it is easy to, to look at the pillow and think, oh, yeah, it looks awfully good to me right now. Uh, I'm just going to sleep in. But if you've, got a, if you've got an exercise partner who's going to be waiting for you to run, well, now you can't disappoint that person. Yes. And so, and so you, you, you've got social pressure to do the right thing, and mm-hmm. that's, that's really valuable. On top of that, being just in an environment in which people are doing things – uh, that, that you want to be doing is helpful. 
there's a wonderful phenomenon called goal contagion, which is if, if I want to understand what someone else is doing and why they're doing it, part of what I do is watch what they're doing. And then I simulate what must I be doing if, if I, uh, what must, what would I want to be doing if I were performing the same action? And that has the, the, uh, the impact of, of actually engaging that goal in you. And so, for example, here, I, you know, I live in beautiful Austin, Texas, mm. and in Austin, Texas, we have a trail around the, what's now called Lady Bird Lake downtown, mm. and there's always people walking and running and biking on Lady Bird Lake Trail. And so if you want to get moving, just go to the trail, because nice. you cannot sit, <laughs> because everyone is moving. And so being around people who are doing things is really valuable. Mm. And then the third thing you can do with people is to learn from them. Because one of the other things about being human is that unlike every other animal on the planet, for the most part, we come pre-programmed with very little knowledge. We have to learn to do almost everything. And so sometimes we actually are trying to make a change in our behavior and we don't really know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And we feel bad about that. We think, well, all these other people managed to successfully do this thing that I can't, whether it's quitting smoking or eating differently or getting in shape or checking your email less often, whatever it is. There are other people who seem to be able to do it. Why can't I? And the answer is because you haven't learned to do it yet. You need someone else to teach you. And it's so important to reach out and find people who will coach you and mentor you and work you through the process of making a change. And it's, it's not embarrassing to have to do that. That is what the, the human species is all about, learning how to do stuff. And we have to be willing to help other people to help us to achieve the goals we want to achieve. Amen. That's a great way to end off this episode. That is Smart Change, Five Tools to Create New and Sustainable Habits in Yourself and Others by Art Markman. Art, got to tell you, man, it was a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us so many new insights into habits. And hopefully, all of you out there in Cut the Crap Nation, you picked up a thing or two that will help you create new habits in your life. And uh, if you're looking to stay in touch with Art or you want to see what Art's up to, Art, how can uh, people connect with you and how can they follow you along online? Sure. So uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter at AB Markman. I am on Facebook. I have an author page, Art Markman PhD, LinkedIn. You can find me at smartthinkingbook.com. And as an added bonus, if you go to smartthinkingbook.com and go to the Smart Change tab, there is actually a free downloadable version of the Smart Change Journal, nice. which among other things has the template for the Habit Diary in it. Fantastic. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes and make sure Cut the Crap Nation, you go out there and you uh, leverage those resources. They're all resources that'll help you build smarter habits. Absolutely love it. Mar- Art, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Ryan. It was great. 